there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. Derek Peterson here talking into my microphone. Greg Smith on the other microphone. Please talk into your microphone, Greg. Hello. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I am very well. Um, Let's get this out of the way now. We are cold. Um, yep, <laughs> but, but I am well otherwise. I am also super happy because you brought me a full size Milky Way candy bar. I did. Look I was you. thinking about you while I was at the, at the gas station. One of the greatest candy bars out there. Um, I don't know if we should start this thing off arguing and me <laughs> calling your takes trash, uh, but I'll let you have your Milky Way. I also found out when I called Milky Way's trash on Twitter that the Milky Way army is very deep. Oh really? Yeah, and I got a lot of a lot of angry I messages got a, about that. I got a bunch of people that were like, "Derek, your candy take is trash." So I like Milky Ways. Greg does not. For any of the any of you who don't follow us on Twitter, you should. But if sure. you don't, like that's the conversation that we're having right now. And uh, a lot of what I got was that Derek, your candy takes are trash. Oh, so really? apparently, yeah, apparently yeah. I have a trash candy take. I mean, you might. What is? What, well, I got to look at it. What's in this? It's, it's just, just chocolate and caramel. Chocolate? Yeah, I think it's the smooth nu- nougat. I think that that's what that makes it bad. Smooth nougat. I think so. Okay. But it's okay. What is your favorite candy? What is the best chocolate bar? Or best chocolate? Best chocolate. Uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. See, that's like it's such a... thing. That and it's Snickers. Just, it's just a very, like, basic thing to say. Is it, is it now, man? Is it the pumpkin spice it latte? It is. It candy? is now. <laughs> wow, it I is. didn't know that. Because it's so popular. Everyone loves it. You got to have a little bit more of a hipster candy take. Kind of Twix? Should I go with Twix then? Left Twix or right Twix? Left. That might be one of the dumbest marketing campaigns I think I've ever <laughs> Probably heard. Probably is, but it stuck with you. It did stick, so I guess it's not that dumb. Uh, I like Kit Kats. I think I don't think Kit Kats get enough love. They probably don't, but I feel like because there's nothing really special about them. Well, you say that, but like Reese's made their own Kit Kat version. Like Reese's have those sticks. Yeah, those aren't very that good. That taste like you don't like those? No, for some reason like it's really like it goes the peanut butter cups, then Reese's pieces. Those are terrible. And then you go back to like the large cup. And then like it, they've got too many things though. They you do. could go into a gas station and see an entire row of like just Reese's variations. It's very odd. Yeah, they do. Very it's a very basic thing. I can't believe you said that. That's going to stick with me forever now. I keep wanting to say basic but I know I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> you will. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk football on this okay. podcast. we got plenty of football to talk about. Uh, Nebraska lost to Ohio State a week ago on the road. We're going to talk about that game because there's a lot to talk about, um, maybe more than a lot of Ohio State fans expected. But we're going to have some stuff to talk about on that. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of the theme of this last week. Greg brought up a really good point before we started podcasting. There's really been like a theme of the week each week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to talk about what this one was in the run-up to Illinois. We both are expecting a pretty sizable Nebraska victory this weekend against Illinois. So just for the sake of uh, the shelf life of this podcast, we're not going to talk too much about Nebraska-Illinois. But we will talk about kind of expectations moving forward and 
the fact that the hype is back around this program. <laughs> um, so, Greg, let's let's start off with Ohio State. Just initial uh, impressions of that game, initial reaction to a five-point loss as opposed to, like, the 22-point spread that it opened with. What, what, what were your takeaways from last week's game? My first, like, right when the game was over, I, my first thing was disappointment for the team. Um, it, and it was so weird because I, I could, would not have thought ever that that would be the, the thing that I felt after that game. Like, disappointment and kind of let down that they should have won that football game. Um, Nebraska had every opportunity to go up more when they were up in the game. Um, they had opportunities to get more takeaways and turnovers um, off of Ohio State and really put them out of the game um, earlier. Um, and especially considering if Nebraska had gotten up an extra score earlier in the game, then Ohio State is not able to lean on their run game, which is what then led them back and caused Nebraska to get tired. Um, so uh, the other side of that, though, is that you have to be proud of the way that they fought. You have to feel good about that mm-hmm. as a fan too but it, you still just come away really disappointed because that's a game that they could have won and i think really should have won based off what we saw on saturday yeah so post game um brandon vogel our managing editor we're, we're sitting in the the post game press conference room um waiting for scott frost to come out and he he kind of looked at me and he's like what do you think the the theme is going to be because there's been themes for press conferences yeah, as well yeah. and it was like there could be he, he could come out one of two ways there, there could be optimism because, I mean, and, and we're juxtaposing this with the Michigan game because after the Michigan game, there was just like, we're not ready for this team. Um, we bad are terrible. Yeah, it was just a rough press conference. Yeah. And he was very angry, but it was anger towards, I guess, internal mm-hmm. than anything external. So this game was, he could have either been optimistic about the fact that Nebraska is on the road against a top 10 team in the country, a team with playoff hopes, a team that has been one of the elites in the Big Ten. Um, and, and they lost by five. They were competitive. They kept it close for the first time in however many years. Or he could be really upset because, like you said, they did have chances to win. Adrian Martinez outdueled one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten in that quarterback's house. Yep. They, and they, for the first time all season, really, defensively, they made a ton of plays. They consistently made plays that put themselves in winning positions. Jojo Doman was awesome. Uh, Lamar Jackson continues to be a much improved uh, player in the secondary, and that's really balancing out what they've got with DiCaprio Boodle as well. Um, and I thought the defense, for the most part, played pretty well and, and played a game that, that you could win playing. So he could either be upset or optimistic, and he was pissed. And he was like, the team is also pissed because they felt like they had a chance to win that football game, and I think they did. Um, and I was a little surprised by that maybe, but it kind of – I don't know. It, it kind of shows like where the, the mindset of this team is at right now. And, and that was kind of what I wrote after the game was this team is just sick and tired of moral victories. Because yeah. you could have taken moral victories from that game. Um, you know, we could have looked at Adrian Martinez. We could have looked at the defense uh, having its best game of the season, which is kind of what was the message after the game. Yeah. Um, and instead it was like, look, these are the mistakes that we made. If we don't make these mistakes, we beat a top 10 team on the road in their house. 
right? Yeah, and I think that also the the other thing that kind of jumped out to me in post game was the players. And I think it was Ben Stilley who said this first, maybe about how they felt the team felt that they were disrespected by Ohio mm-hmm. State the last couple of years. That was so Stilley. whatever was going on on the field outside of the score, there was a little more um, that met the eye. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ohio State was talking a lot of trash to them. Maybe they just were kind of blowing them off um, to start that game as well on Saturday. Um, something happened though <laughs> that triggered some of the players on Nebraska um, to make them feel so disrespected. And I thought that kind of went perfectly then to me. It made sense as to why everyone was so mad after that game because they really wanted to win that game. Couple that with the fact that there were so many players that said that we came here to win. Mm -hmm. We we didn't come here for moral victories or to play them close or, you know, hang in there, anything like that. We came here expecting to win the football game and we should have done it which I thought was actually a great step. After you get over that initial disappointment, um, I thought it was a really good step and a good sign that the team really, like, truly felt that way. That was not just lip service. And then at the same time, they really should have won the game. It wasn't one of those where, you know, sometimes you see a game and teams go, man, we were the better team that day. Or it's happened a couple of times this season um, while watching other other teams play. And then you go, eh, you really weren't <laughs> that mm-hmm. close or as close as you thought. It wasn't the case in this game. This game, Nebraska really should have won that football game. Yeah, and, and that was Ben Stilley that said, that made those comments after mm-hmm. the game. So, uh, and, and I kind of asked Ben, because one of the stories that I wanted to write was this senior class hasn't beaten Ohio State, and they're going to leave having not beaten Ohio State in three tries. Oh. And I just wanted to see kind of what their thought process was and where their mindset was at. And still he said they had a message. The senior class had a message for the team before that game. They felt disrespected, and they said that this Ohio State team has disrespected us over the last two years. They felt like they've run up the score a little bit. They felt like they haven't taken Nebraska seriously. And Luke Gifford had a comment in the post game that said, you know, they knew they you could tell after those first couple drives that they knew this was not going to be the same game that it has been over the last two years. And there's just a little bit of there there's anger, but there's a little bit of swagger yeah. in in something in saying something like that. Like you're on the road against a team that nobody outside of Lincoln thinks you're gonna beat, and you're like, they knew it wasn't gonna be the same. We came out and we hit them. It also kind of reminds me a little bit of that Minnesota game too, right? Because there were guys that said um, that they thought Minnesota ran up the score two years ago or mm-hmm. last year, which it's so weird to say, but it kind of is true. Um, then you had the post game. I forget. It was a defensive lineman. I want to say it was maybe Carlos Davis um, that said that they wanted to put more points on Minnesota and they wished they had put more on them. Um, so the, I think that the, I, this is not a full-blown like Michigan revenge tour, but I feel like like this team is starting to really like internalize and use some of the things that have happened in the past as actual fuel during mm-hmm. these games, um, which I think goes into kind of where they want to go next, just as a complete team. Um, but but I kind of like that. Like and then, but I'm also like I also am someone that likes trash talk and likes all of that stuff too. So like the revenge tour at, tour at Michigan, like I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chase Winovich is an awesome wrestling heel. Like I really like what he's doing. Uh, but that's just my personal preference on that sort of stuff. Well, you have been saying for the longest time that this team is starting to adopt the personality of its head coach. Yeah. There's another bullet point in that. 
because Scott is a lot like that. Yes, he is. Like, right. I, I feel like when, and I, I feel like it was something that we maybe didn't talk enough about coming into the season was how some of these coaches in the Big Ten kind of have it out for Nebraska and Scott Frost because I think they got sick of hearing about Scott Frost and how he was bringing his offense here. And then he made the comments about they'll have to adjust in the conference to me. Um, but on the flip side of that, he then makes the comment at Big Ten Media Day saying, you know, they better get us now, which probably also rubbed them the wrong, rubbed those coaches which is the wrong way too, but I think he's right. And I think that when Nebraska does like fully take off, I think he's also going to have a memory about some of these things that have happened as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to see some big numbers on people um, because of some of the stuff that's happened. And I think, it, I think it's good for Nebraska to have some of that confidence because obviously that confidence was lacking in the program. And you can see a real difference between where they were at the beginning of the season um, and where they are now just with confidence and how they play in basically every facet of the game. Yeah, there was a point um, last Saturday when I was watching Nebraska kind of move up and down the field. We'll talk about Adrian Martinez in a second because he was the catalyst for that. But there was a point where I was just kind of sitting there and, and uh, Bill Moose's comments from before the season kind of popped into my head. The the one where he was like, we've got Ohio State and, and Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh kind of running scared uh-huh. a little bit. Obviously not this year because right. those two teams are 2-0 and against Nebraska. But there was a part of me that was like, I wonder if – if anyone inside their walls is going to think about that after this game, and not not necessarily inside like, of Ohio State's walls, yes, okay. not direct that quote directly, but more the fact that I wonder if they're thinking like, "Holy crap, this team is going to be really good in, in the next couple of years." I think people. I think that people are thinking that. Um, and it's not just Ohio State, but I feel like now leading into the Adrian Martinez thing, I feel like now the secret is out on Adrian Martinez. And I think that coaches in the Big Ten are like, oh, crap, we're going to have to deal with that guy. for the This kid is days. looking like a once-in-a-decade yeah. kind of like talent. It, it, it's it's funny because, like, and I know you watch a lot of other teams in college football as well, um, and I love watching other teams to see kind of how things progress other places. I think it's a good idea to kind of get outside of our bubble of what we have going on. And this, to me, feels like – what's happened at other big-time programs when they get their big-time quarterback in place. So, like, and and just off the top of my head, you're thinking about, like, really special guys like Marcus Mariota when he was at Oregon or what Jameis Winston did at Florida State on the field, um, what you saw with Baker at Oklahoma. Like, I feel like this with Adrian is that sort of thing, and it almost feels wrong to say that, um, but I really don't have any other way to describe it at this point. Yeah, the uh, not necessarily like I don't want to like piss people off because the personalities are too are completely different. Yeah. Like they're not going to have the same kind of like on field, I guess, rudeness. <laughs> but Adrian sometimes Adrian reminds me of young Baker Mayfield a little bit just with the playmaking gene that he has. Yeah, he re- he really reminds me, and I, I hate making the comparison because it's it feels like it. It goes too well. Um, but it, to me, it reminds me of Marcus Mariota, like of what that was like. Is that where every once in a while he had some flashes of that swag too. And you love that play from Adrian uh, with the, was it the fake slide? It was the fake slide. <laughs> um, like I feel like that's something more that Marcus Mariota would have done. Um, and he's got, got that steadiness to his game and calm under pressure. Um, he's not necessarily as all over the place, obviously, as Baker or as big of a personality as Baker was. Um, but I, I just think that... It, they really have something special with him and 
we're going to my like somewhat bold prediction is that we're going to look up in like a year and start talking about they need to capitalize on having Adrian Martinez on campus by winning really big while they have him because they have something special. Yeah, no, that that's not that's not a hot take or anything. Okay, good. That's like we're going to have that conversation next year. Okay, good. Like at at and maybe at the midway point next year we're going to start really having the conversation of this because you know and just going back to Oklahoma, that was kind of what I felt watching that team was they let a generational quarterback go to waste, basically, because they didn't win anything. Oh, like, they should have last You year. don't want to see <laughs> that happen with this quarterback because he looks like another generational quarterback, at least for this program. Yep. Like, and, and do you think he's as good of a pure passer as Mariota was? I would my my gut reaction says no because I'm remembering Mariota at the end, which was that the his final season where he went like 32 touchdowns to four interceptions or something crazy like that. Well, his junior year he set was what it, was then a college football record for quarterback rating. He had a was that was that the the year that he went like a really long time um, without throwing an interception. Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember that. Like, I but I feel like what we've seen like this freshman version of Adrian Martinez, I think, is building towards that. Like, if you look at what like Adrian Martinez's completion percentage is, um, and even with the throws that he's missed, but has had guys that will be cleaned up as he gets more as he gets better within the offense. Um, you also mix in a couple of drops in there. Like, I. I I think that he's on that kind of a track, and it, but it just feels weird to say out loud. So over Mariota's last two seasons, he threw 73 touchdowns and eight interceptions. That's insane. That's so good. 31, he was so good. 31 and four his sophomore year, excuse me, and then 42 and four his junior year when he won the Heisman. Yeah, that's crazy. Like so, so is that the now? That's one of the best like. Quarterback collegiate careers that we've seen in recent memory, but do you think that Adrian can get in that realm? I don't think that should be a benchmark for him. Okay, so we are we going too high? I, yeah, I, because and and the reason I say that is because Mariota was so much more of a pure passer. Well, I mean, I didn't realize he had 700 yards rushing every single season. He ran the ball more than people realize. 770 <laughs> yards and 15 touchdowns. His but he was just all around awesome. Like he was, he was unstoppable in that in that offense. I, I mean, I don't. Maybe Adrian because his junior year, forty four hundred passing yards, forty two touchdowns, four picks, seven hundred seventy rushing yards, fifteen touchdowns. Maybe Adrian can hit that. I don't know. He had one receiving touchdown as well. Maybe I don't. But I don't think that should be the benchmark. Scott like Scott doesn't like comparing quarterbacks. Just and he won't as we go along. No, I won't. feel like he will not want the inevitable comparison to Marcus Mariota. That's going to continue to happen. Like, He's I, not. I'm want like that. cringing thinking about people asking Scott about that because that's not going to go well. But I do think Adrian's junior year. Like somebody was asking me this a couple days ago, or maybe a week or so ago. Like, do we get into? Does Adrian have Heisman odds next season? And I said yes because what, like Heisman odds in preseason, there's like 50 players that have yeah. them. Adrian will have them. They're not going to be great. But he will have them based off of what he did this season. Junior season, he, he he's going to be in the conversation. I think he'll be, yeah, if he continues to progress the way we think he will, um, yeah, he'll be on the short list his junior season. Let's look at, uh, let me try to pull up his numbers real fast. Who's Adrian's? Yeah. 
Yeah, I just think it, it, it's so interesting because like I, I don't want it to feel like we're early on all of this, but I feel like we've kind of been waiting <laughs> to, to kind of unload all of this. We think Adrian's going to be a, like a super duper star to see a little bit more evidence, and especially for me at least, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, seeing it against Ohio State mm-hmm. in a game in which I feel like Nebraska was not outmatched scheme-wise, but I think they were, Ohio State has more talent overall than them. They just have more athleticism across the board. And I, I still, and I've said this to you a couple of times um, throughout the week, is I feel like Ohio State's defense is where you really saw the athlete difference. Yes. Um, and, and so... Without Nebraska closing that gap, the performance that Adrian put on in that game on the road um, really, really impressed me. Like it to me, outside of the play he doesn't want to talk about, um, and for good reason. Like I was like really, really impressed with what he did in that game. Yeah. So twenty-two for thirty-three, two hundred sixty-six yards, a touchdown, seventy-two carries for two yards on the ground. The uh, the the fumble thing. We're all like yelling at him in the press box. No, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Why would you do that? I don't understand why. Like, and it's just a, like, we will probably never see him make that mistake again because it was That's just such a weird, you don't think so? No, here's the thing with that. That was a weird one, though. Like, that one doesn't bother me. It's one of those where in the moment you're like, what are you doing? But that one doesn't bother me. And here, like, there's only one reason why. That is his playmaker gene. That is, yeah. that is above all else, his, like, in his, intangible thing of like i feel confident that i can make a play out of anything and damn it i'm gonna try but and i don't want to take that away from him i don't want to take that away from him either but i feel like that, that particular play where you have jd is behind you and there's was it two or three defenders there was one defender coming towards adrian i believe and two outside mm-hmm. on the outside like what were you going to get out of that and i get you i'm with you i don't want to take that playmaker gene out of him or tamp that down at all and i do think that that x factor is what allows you to be in games like that that you shouldn't be in mm-hmm. um based on the paper on talent or talent on paper so i, I don't want to take that away but i would still be surprised if we see that that we'll see that play again, but if we see that mistake again, because that was just weird. Well, I guess I should rephrase. I, like he's probably not going to throw the ball backwards into a guy <laughs> that already has a defender right on top of him. But you are going to see similar yes. mistakes. Okay, I'm with like you. That. Yeah, yeah. Okay, phrase it that way. Yes, I agree. You are going to because that just comes with the territory with yes. guys like that. So, I, and I'm perfectly fine living with that because on the other side of it, you get the play that he made that ridiculous throw to Stanley. Where he got um, popped yeah, right as he so, threw it. Yeah, yeah. so you, you have to live with a little bit of that. So Adrian was down in like the 55, 56% completion range, mm-hmm. like four games into the season. He's up to 67% now. It, like, like I, we're going to have this conversation his junior year, heading into his junior year. As long as... Everything stays the same. And even if J.D. Spielman comes back for his senior season, yeah. whenever... To then help him with his junior, yeah, yeah. Like, that makes sense. we're going to be having that conversation about Adrian. And you have to think, see, this is because of how well Adrian has done and the track that he's been on, now you start having conversations like, oh, well, you know, that first game, he was it was his first start in, what, two years, and he's a true freshman quarterback and all of that. Um, and then you have the injury and all of that. So I would, you could make the argument that he's actually been better than what his numbers have shown just because of the kind of circ- weird circumstances mm-hmm. that he's had to start the season, um, and which is why I expect him to have a huge end of the season. Like, I expect him to be really, really good against Illinois, Michigan State, and Iowa. Well, I kind of tracked this for the column that I wrote on Monday. If you start 
at the Purdue game, and you you go from there because the Colorado game was fine, but he got hurt at the end and close it out. The Troy game, he didn't play. Michigan, he played a half and he wasn't great. And, and he was and he they looked wasn't awful. 100%, yeah. and they looked bad. And so if you start from the Purdue game and move forward to the point that we're at now, Nebraska has a top ten offense in the country, and Adrian is fueling it. Mm-hmm. There is there is. I think I wrote there, there's either not a player or there is one player that averages more total yards a game than Adrian Martinez over the last five. But that's that's really impressive. Like I just said, like there is no really other way to say it. Like, and I feel like this is where this offense is going. This is what that what you what we've seen on the field from Nebraska since the Purdue game is what people had visions of when Scott Frost was hired with the offense, right? Like, I think that that's... Now, it's a a little bit different, though, because they've got to... They do have to figure out other receivers to get involved eventually because I don't foresee a situation going forward where really only two guys are catching passes and making the big plays on the outside. Like, I think this offense works better if you have multiple guys that can hurt you and they can spread the ball around Mm -hmm. because that's on the... Like, if you think about it glass half empty, though, or glass half full... The way that this offense is producing without having a full complement of weapons is also pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay, so he's not first, but he's he's seventh. So since the Purdue loss, Nebraska's averaging 500 yards of total offense. They're at 6.98 yards of play. They're at 6.46 yards of run. And Adrian is giving them 334 yards of total offense. So those numbers, 10th in total offense as a team, ninth in yards per play, fourth in rushing yards per play and he is seventh in total offense from a player ahead of Mackenzie milton at central florida that makes me smile <laughs> yeah you got a big smile on yeah your face. only because and it's not Mackenzie milton's fault it's really not i'm just so tired of ucf it's because like, of the because of the bianchi they're going to be better oh boy <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah that's true like i'm just so over ucf i really am <laughs> so let's talk about uh let's transition to the theme of this past week because okay. you kind of you asked me there, there has been a theme, it seems like, every week for this team and for Scott Frost, and it kicks off at his weekly press conference. Like, I think back to whatever it was, like, Purdue week, like the week of Purdue, or maybe the week right after, where all the talk was about culture, culture killers, well, culture turning, keepers. Oh, that way it was the week before then, because that next week, I feel like, was the culture has turned to corner. Yes, it turned, you know? yeah, because they had the players meeting on yeah. Sunday. Um, so what what did you think the theme was this week? But to me, it was more of business as usual. We're going to keep working the way that we've been working, which it sounds super simple, but I feel like that was that's a really good thing um, because I feel like the team didn't get too high or too low based off of the result at Ohio State. Like, I feel like they could have, and this would have been to me a mistake, they could have come out of that week and going into this week saying, you know what, we hung with Ohio State at Ohio State. Like, it's just Illinois. Like, who cares? Um, Or they could have just been really down in the dumps going the other way um, about what happened. I don't feel either happened. I thought they were just kind of even keeled and ready to get back to work, which I think is a sign of the team taking a step. Maybe this is just me, but have you noticed a ton of, like, it seems like the day-by-day stuff is getting uh, few and far between. In terms like, of like we're getting better day by day, we're just trying to take it a step at a time. Yeah, in terms of those yeah. comments, yep. like it to me, this week felt like a team that was, and 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 I guess it start. We've kind of talked about this already. It started after, like immediately after the loss, a team that is just sick and tired of talking about 
we, you know, we're getting better here, we're getting better there, we got moral victories. It, it this this week felt like a team that was like, look, we should have won a football game. We're gonna go win a football game this week. I would agree with you. It, do, it does feel like that, and to me, that also I feel better about feeling like they're gonna blow Illinois out because of that mindset. Because then when they get on that field, boom they're going to want to punish Illinois. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like instead of talking about it all week, they just want to go out and do it and then feel good about another win and then move on to Michigan State week. Like, and I think that it would be the same thing that after the Michigan State week, except for, like, and we'll talk about this more when we get there, but I feel like that Iowa thing is going to, Iowa game is going to have a little bit more edge to it around the team mm-hmm. that week um, because I think what needs to happen and I'm hoping it's going to happen is Nebraska will be a little bit more angry and a little bit more focused and fired up going into that Iowa game because I feel like Iowa has cared more about that game than the Nebraska side. So yeah. it, it, from the from the players' point of view, I think the fans are very, like as much as people don't want to say that they're a rival, um, I think the fans have been pretty fired up about it, but I'm hoping we see that from the players too. Yeah, I can see that. But that, sorry, that was a tangent. No, no, no. no that, that's what podcasts are. <laughs> They're just tangents. <laughs> back to Illinois. <laughs> back to Illinois. They did have a business as usual <laughs> kind of mindset, and they're tired of moral victories, which I think is, it, but that's really good, right? Because they could have gone basically this whole season talking about moral victories. I mean, that is the natural <laughs> progression <laughs> of a team that goes from rebuilding to a team that is trying to contend for bigger things. Like that's what you want to see. Like I don't, I, I don't think any. I mean, we all thought that they were going to get better as the season progressed, but I don't think, like, I personally was not expecting to see that progression happen within one season. It has been, when we sit down at the end of the season, we are going to, it's going to be a wild ride and kind of a twist and turns of what all happened. Because, if, yeah, now that you say that out loud, it does feel like a lot has happened mindset-wise. Mm-hmm. And just, like, it's really, like, you don't usually see this. You, you're seeing, I think, like, two years of progression within one season and it's still not even done yet. And it's yet. not done. Yeah. We could still have another turn, and we could have a really big jump here. Because if Nebraska does win their final three games, then we're just back to square one with all of the hype throughout the offseason. And people will forget, because then at that point, they would have gone, what, five and seven uh, for yeah. the season. But it will be, like, the most, like, talked about and hyped up five and seven team ever. Well, when they were 0-6, the conversation was like, this is the best 0-6 football team that's ever been. Yeah, and now you're seeing people say they're the best, like, 2-7. and 2-7. 2-7 and and football team, because Urban Meyer was one, you know, that said that they were gelling at the right time, and they were the best two-win team, and blah, blah, blah. I used the Urban quote in that column to kind of prove a point. Are you regretting your face? I mean, a little. I don't believe the sincerity of Urban being like, they're going to be a really good football team. Like, because I just don't believe the sincerity of anything Urban says, and that just felt like such a like coach speak like i'll 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 be nice to them because you know they shocked us a little bit i mean yeah you could have stopped that i don't believe in the sincerity of her but yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) i mean they they need to get better defensively yeah um because defensively like they're a little bit i I don't want to say they're a little bit behind where i expected them to be but you know they're giving up a lot of points I'll just leave it at that. They are getting better, though, in terms of turnovers and getting pressure on the quarterback. They are getting a little bit better. They're also getting better at just not blatantly being out of position. Yes. 
And and if you want to take like small victories within the the grand scheme of things, like I think that is a big deal, especially when you're still working in new pieces and trying to raise your athleticism, right? Um, So if you can just start to be like really simple baseline stuff, be lined up correctly, and then be in the correct fits when plays happen, I feel like they're starting to see the benefits of just that. Right. And then there's going to be times where you saw it against Ohio State, but like on those crossing routes, which Nebraska seems like has the worst time ever defending those crossing routes. But I feel like that's when you see the athletic difference um, between well, Nebraska's defense and Ohio State's offense. And they're just not good at defending that. It's because a lot of offenses are now figuring out that we can pick on the middle of the field, and specifically we can pick on the linebackers in pass coverage. But I think you're also picking on the safeties as well because they're like uh, I feel like a a weird thing about this defense so far this year is like not to call them out but just to give the specific example like Aaron Williams has struggled um, in coverage Trey Neal has had his issues in coverage as well so it kind of goes with that theme of just the up the middle of the field on this defense has been there um, and it can be had um, but I think that Nebraska is making strides on defense and some of those like even like missing out on some of those plays and giving up some big plays will be erased if you really do start to turn up the turnovers. Is it bad to say that Nebraska is going to lose three senior safeties and I think they'll be better off at the position next year? Maybe, but I think because it's true. Because Deontay Williams? <laughs> yeah, I think that I think Deontay Williams is one of your starters next year um, without question, and then we'll see kind of what they what happens with the other spot, which it will be interesting because I feel like C.J. Smith was actually on track to be mm-hmm. that guy because they were going to start to work him in more, and then he had that unfortunate injury, and the timing of it really stinks because who knows if he was going to be ready for spring ball. Um, but they may, may need to look Juco to try to fill that other spot alongside Deontay Williams. Kim Jones factor into that spot at all? We'll see. Like it, it depends. Like I think he has the the talent to to be a factor, and he's on. And I, I like to say um, that guys that are already here have the advantage. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at the guys that are here versus bringing in a JUCO guy or having a highly touted high school guy, being here, learning in the defense, doing the things that you're supposed to do, and being around the coaches is a benefit. But that it's only a benefit if you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. So if he can take advantage of those things, then he, you know, could be in a spot to compete. It also just sucks that he's pretty much spent this entire season with a shoulder or yeah, arm and he's injury. Been injured. Yeah, that stinks. And there's a handful of those guys. Actually, none of you think about it. C.J. Smith, Cam Jones, Tate Wildeman, Casey Rogers, like guys that you're excited about. On like they had plans for those forward. guys. Yeah, Nance, or Nance, uh, not Nance, Austin. David Austin has also been hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bunch of those guys, young guys on that defense – like missing out on valuable development time, um, which hopefully doesn't come back to get them in the end. But all those guys should be ready for spring ball, save for C.J. Smith. So real quick on Illinois, what do you th- what do you think is the outcome of this game Saturday? So I think Nebraska wins like fifty one to twenty one, like somewhere in there. I think Illinois will get some points and some yards on them, especially rushing the ball. Um, but I feel like if as long as Nebraska's in position for the most part during the game, I think that they can slow down Illinois' rushing attack. Like I just I don't I don't think that Illinois' running game is so good that they're just going to overwhelm Nebraska. Like they were better last week and they've been trending better, but I don't think am I wrong? Like I don't think that they're that good. No? <laughs> are they not? Are they better than I'm giving them credit for? Yeah they are. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Am I just thinking of like like I mean, it, it's just like that's what you think of when you think Illinois, right? But yeah. So they brought in offensive coordinator Rod Smith 
from Arizona, okay. who basically like unleashed Khalil Tate at Arizona, and they yep. had one of the best rushing attacks in the country. So I was curious coming into the season what he would be able to do for their offense because they didn't have any semblance of a passing game last yeah. season. And with A.J. Bush as their quarterback for the majority of the season, the passing game has been it, – it's left a lot to be desired. So I was curious what the rushing game was going to look like. They're sixth in the country in rushing S&P. Really? Yeah. Okay, that kind of surprises me. They have, should have looked that. They have uh, – I just, and I just wrote about Purdue, too. Or uh, Purdue. Uh, Illinois. I just wrote about them, too. They have a running back uh, by the name of Reggie Corbin that had 78 yards all of last season and has 952 rushing yards and nine scores on 100 carries. Okay, so hopefully the defense does not take Illinois' run game as lightly as I've taken it. His yards per carry average ranks third in the country. Okay. Yeah, I Here, apologize. What's the, the name, Reggie Corbin? Reggie Corbin. All right, Reggie, I apologize. So names to know for <laughs> Illinois this weekend. Reggie Corbin, and you need obviously need to know A.J. Bush if you don't already because right. I don't know how you do that. But outside of that, like Mike Epstein, who was their – I mean, they didn't have a running game last year, but he was the, the most productive runner, I guess. Uh, he's back, but he's kind of been hurt off and on. All season. I don't know if he's going to play this weekend. I think cool. he's questionable. Um, and then the, the backup uh, – Rayvon Botter, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he's also battling injuries. So it's like, think of Reggie Corbin this season as like what Divino Zigbo has done. Like okay. he got an opportunity, he got better, improved his his kind of top end speed, and he's having a really good season because of it. But passing wise, they're terrible still. So keep them in third and long. And they don't keep have a great defense. They don't have a great defense. So it sets up, I think, 47 17 for Nebraska. So after all of that, you still don't think that Illinois is going to put up anything. No, so you I shamed don't. me for not knowing about their rushing, their potent rushing attack, <laughs> and, then, and then said that they're going to score seventeen whole points. No, I just think I like that's what you think of when you think Illinois, right? It because I'm it's so like they're not; they, they haven't had a great so. offense over the last couple yeah. of years, but. Um, and they still don't have a great offense. Like they're sixtieth yeah, in S and P plus. They're they're horribly unbalanced. Um, but I think that sets up nicely for like Nebraska to have a game where they can they can key in on the run game without the threat of an elite passing game because last week stressed them in a lot of ways. I did. And I think that they will have one of again one of their better performances of the season because of just the way that things match up. And then defensively, like I don't, I don't, I don't think Illinois has a guy that can cause Nebraska problems. Yeah, that's, it should be like when Nebraska has the ball, so long as Nebraska isn't shooting themselves in the foot so the penalties don't come back um, and they keep the turnovers away, um, they should be able to move the ball pretty much mm-hmm. at will yeah. against Illinois. Like, I mean, I'm very confident in that. Like, yes, Illinois' defense looked better last week, but Minnesota's offense is also terrible. So It is. They need to prove that that game wasn't a flash in the pan because before that they had given up three straight games with 40 points. So it's not like one thing on that defense changed. Like the play caller changed. None of the personnel changed. I mean, it is Lovey, though. Lovey and, I love you in the beard. His beard is amazing. It's, it's, it's making its way to Lincoln. I might go to their press conference instead of Nebraska's just so I can take a picture of the beard. Sounds like a solid plan. Because it's great. So let's talk then. If we both have them winning, yep. let's, let's wrap this up on this note. We both have them winning. That would put them at 3-7. and seven. With two games left, what's the likelihood they win each of the last two games? 
I, th- I think it's fair. I think it's a fair chance that they win um, both games uh, because I think you end up in a situation as advanced scouting or preview of uh, Michigan State. As Michigan State is also uh, pretty unbalanced as well because they can't throw the football either. Uh, and they've been kind of streaky um, running the ball. Um, I think Nebraska should be able to move it against them as well. And the Iowa one is just kind of weird because while Iowa never has a great offense, Noah Fant kills Nebraska. And I, like, I'm really, really dreading the matchup of Noah Fant against linebackers for Nebraska. I don't Oof. know what they're going to do <laughs> to slow him down. Well, they have a tight end that's been better than Noah Fant right. this year. It, well, and I think part of that is because they use – people are so, like, so keyed on Noah Fant and trying to slow him down. But that kid's good, too, because they seem to always have someone at tight end at Iowa. Like That is kind of a thing that they hang their hat on. Is that Wisconsin has offensive end. linemen. Iowa has tight ends and fullbacks. That is correct. Nebraska has now quarterbacks. Nebraska has offense. <laughs> they just have offense. Um, but no, it's a fair chance that R. Nebraska the can, can win out. TJ Hawkinson is his name, the tight end. He's having a fantastic season for us. Yes, Iowa. he has 32 catches for 516 yards and four touchdowns. God, their two tight ends have combined for almost 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns on 66 catches. That is a bad matchup it's for ridiculous. Nebraska. That's a bad matchup for, for the Huskers. It really is. Because I don't know who's guarding them. Like, I'm not sure like what you're, what Nebraska, because that is a, a weakness of Nebraska, um, like defending backs and tight ends in the passing game. Um, because of who ends up getting matched up with them. It's typically linebackers and their safeties, and I don't know what they're going to do with it. Okay, but here's the benefit of that game. Iowa doesn't have a running game. Like, Illinois is 6th in rushing S&P, and Iowa is 119th. That's amazing. We have gone into the upside down. If you had, you could have won a lot of money betting people before the yeah, season you could on, have. on that result. That's pretty amazing. So then, I'll go, like quickly taking it back to Illinois. Then, um, so if Nebraska can slow down Illinois' rushing attack, does that then make you feel that much better about what they could do in the final two weeks of the season? Yeah, if Nebraska wins this game forty-seven to seventeen, like I predicted, mm-hmm. if they if they come close to that number, that that margin of victory. I'm feeling pretty good about their chances to win the last two. Uh-huh. Michigan State, to me, is the more difficult of the two matchups. It's going to be, but Memorial Stadium will be crazy for that day. It'll be senior day. Senior day. Um, that is shaping up to be a mega visitor weekend as far as recruiting is good. Like, it's going to be, that's going to be a great day. Yeah, but Michigan State also has a very, very good defense. They do. Um, so they've got, I think they've got a better chance of slowing down Nebraska's offense than Iowa does, and Iowa doesn't have... Like, I feel good about Nebraska's chances of stopping Iowa's offense. And maybe not, maybe stopping is not the right word to use, but slowing down, preventing enough. them from winning the game. Okay. Because I think they, they should be able to get a couple takeaways, and I think they should be able to effectively stop their running game. I agree with you. So that would put them at 5-7 and seven to close out the season. That would put them at three straight wins to close out the season. 5-1 and one to end the season? Yeah. Hype excuse me, for the team heading into year two under Scott Frost would be off the rails. Do we need to slow it down a little bit? Yes. Just only because, not because I don't believe in the the progression of this team and what the coaching staff can do and all of that. It's just because it will just feel wrong to go from where we started the season at 0-6 
to then, if even if you finish it five and one on the back half of the season, to then say, okay, they're going to win ten um, and go to Indy to represent and represent the West. Like I just feel like that's too big of a jump. Like I would not, I would not trust them enough still going into next season. Like no. I, I think it's fair. <laughs> oh, it's a hundred percent fair. I, I will entertain the argument for ten wins, but here's where I sit at. I'm, I think they'll be really good offensively again. They're going to have to replace some guys on defense. Mm-hmm. I want to see them prove, because let's look at the, the marquee games they've played so far. Michigan, Purdue, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Ohio State. They're 0-5 in those games. Yeah, I want to even, see, if you, even with the moral victories, they I are. I want to see them prove that you can win those games, because until they, on the field, win those games. I'm not talking about moral victories. I'm not talking about look competitive against those. If we're talking about 10 wins, you got to prove to me that you can win those football yeah, games. You can't keep dropping those. That Northwestern game can't be dropped. You yeah, it cannot happen. Purdue. Like, yeah, I'm with, you. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. So until they can win, and, and they'll have a chance. Like, they could be 4-0 heading into Ohio State in the fifth game of the season. With because Ohio State coming to Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's South Alabama to start. It's at Colorado. It's Northern Illinois at home, and then it's, I think, Illinois? Yeah, it's somebody not very good. I can't remember. Um, but, like, that, ske- that schedule sets up. Because they, they could, I mean, they could be a ranked team at that point if they look good and they're 4-0. Like, just the way these things work, they could be a ranked team at that point. And it could be, it could feel a little bit like, a couple years ago when they went into Wisconsin and Ohio State ranked, and everybody was like, this team is ranked too high. Like, oh, it could man. be one of those games where that it's like... That feels like forever ago now, but yes, it could be just like that. Yeah. It could be one of those where it's like, okay, like, this is your chance. Prove it. Yeah. But until we get to that point and until they prove it, I'm not going to come up here and say 10 wins, 9 wins. I'm going to be like, it'll be a better team. Yeah. But I don't know where to, like, 7 and 5 maybe? With the possibility of getting to eight and four, like that would be my preseason prediction for the team. Is yeah, that too low? I, no, I'm just I'm just thinking like that. That's probably right in line with what I would go with, depending on what happens in these final uh, few games. And if they, it's gonna be really. I thought you mentioned something interesting: the defense and what happens with that next year, and if we really believe. Like, how improved are they going to be, really? Because I think everyone is kind of in agreement, no matter what, that they think the offense is going to be even better next mm-hmm. year, even though they're going to lose two starters on the offensive line. They'll lose Stanley Morgan. Um, they've got to find out. That's going to be a super sneaky storyline. I don't think it's going to be all that sneaky, actually, where who replaces Stanley's production um, will be really, really important. But Javon McQuitty. There he is. Jay Valaquitti makes his step, and then he's the guy. He's the next Stanley. Um, but do you heard No one the next Stanley. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Um, but, yeah, I think that they'll be better. It's just whether or not the defense can make strides. Like, I'm not even saying they, need, they don't need to be a top 10 or top 20 even defense. Are they continuing to make strides um, from where they were this year? Yeah, if Nebraska has a top 40 defense and a top 10 offense, I don't think there's any issues in Lincoln. No. We won a lot of football games. Like, like that. that, that's probably, like, the goal. I would agree. So, on that note, let's wrap it up. We're going to have coverage throughout the weekend on HailVarsity.com. Uh, Greg, you're going to a high school football game Friday night? I am. Yeah? Who are you going to see? Uh, Bellevue West uh, against Grand Island at Bellevue West. Okay. Stick some uh, hand warmers in your pockets. <laughs> there will be plenty of hand warmer action <laughs> going on. He'll have a write-up on some takeaways from that game uh, Saturday morning if you want to get some pregame reading done. Um, we will obviously have coverage 
throughout the weekend for the football game. Um, Illinois kickoff at 11. Oh, another 11 a.m. kick. Um, Sunday, there is women's basketball at 11 a.m. in the morning. Then there is men's basketball at 3. There's volleyball this weekend. We're in that swing of things where everything is happening now. Um, so just keep it with HailVarsity.com. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook. We'll have post-game, press conference, live stuff. You're looking at me funny. I'm not. I was just trying to think of all of the things in place. Throwing off my groove. Us. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw off your groove. All the things I'll in look what? Away. All the things in what? All the things in places that you can find our great content. Yes. Hashtag content. Read us. Follow us. Listen to us. Schmitty on the radio for the post game. Yeah. Do it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, Greg. Thanks. Thanks, guys.